is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Welcome back to WWE and Beyond. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Keith. I'm not going to play around. It's it's Bad Boys and Beyond. I'm your host, Mike Payton. With me, as always, is Keith Black Trudeau. We got another great guest today. Doc Joe Brown from the Pistons Pro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me, man. As always, can I just plug my show real quick? Absolutely. Yes, Doc Joe Brown, real name, no gimmicks. Like, they call me Doc Joe Brown because I really have my PhD. Started a passion project a couple years ago. Pro Wrestling Talk for the Pistons fan. The only podcast where we talk about pro wrestling and the Pistons at the exact same time check out our pro wrestling tees store www.prowrestlingtees.com slash p w t p f and we're the only pistons podcast with our season tickets join our discord you can find the link in our twitter handle and you can jump on the basketball channel in there and say yo i want to go to the sixers game and if nobody's reserved them you can sit in the podcast seats for that game we got two seats First row of the upper level. So we're like balling on a budget. And I'll stop by. I'll usually see you because I still got my own season tickets. And yeah, man, we're always in the, in the Discord having a great time. We kind of faded away for tw- from Twitter because we got tired of the bullies, man. Yeah, I'm probably going to be visiting that page there pretty soon and uh, trying to give you some tickets. <laughs> I know. We always crack up when we see people like, hey, if you retweet this and like and blah, 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 and someone DMs me, they're like, or you could just join the Discord and just say you want the podcast tickets tonight. Yeah, first, first row upper level, that's that's like my seats for life. No, it doesn't matter what arena I go. That's that's just the, that's the sweet spot right there because you're not paying through the nose and you've got a great view with no one in front of you. I love those seats. We got we got tickets to see the Pistons and Jazz and at the Palace and my back was up against the wall. That's how we were at the very 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 tippy top watching Carl Malone and John Stockton just absolutely destroy the the Pistons. Uh, Ninety seven, good times. Back, back row at the Palace was hilarious too because it was like um, it was it was like uh. Like just straight up drywall. Like they didn't even paint it or anything. You just <laughs> you just come home with like a Home Depot like drywall <laughs> patch on the back of your head. You're like, what in the world? You couldn't paint up here? Like you didn't expect anybody to buy these seats. Nope. Nope. They never do. They never do. But hey, if it's a deal, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Um, uh, so before we uh get into today's topic, which is gonna be the nineteen ninety seven NBA draft, uh guys, I found a way to fix the pistons. And I, and I wanted to run it by found a way to fix the Pistons forever. Just trade, just trade for Donovan Mitchell. It's real simple. Seventy-one points in a game. Just get that guy. You you would have an easier time in inventing the time machine and just going back in time and drafting him. What, you don't want Luke Kennard. You know what? This hey, look. Full disclosure. 
Um, I, I actually did want Luke Kennard on draft day. Like I, my, my evaluation of Donovan Mitchell, and it was one of the, like, I did not hate Donovan Mitchell. I, but my evaluation was, I didn't like his shot selection and I didn't think his handle was good enough. I stand by his shot selection sucks, but his handle was so much better than I ever realized because they used him at Louisville just as an off ball catch and shoot guy. So he never really got a chance to show that. And you know, like, I, I will, I will stand by that for life. I, I, on draft day, I wanted Luke Kennard over Donovan Mitchell. I, I will accept that. Uh, so I, I kind of get why Stan, especially because Stan Van Gunny got burned the year, uh, the year or two prior when he passed on the shooter and Devin Booker, the, the athlete in Stanley Johnson. So I, I was kind of on that wave, same wavelength as, as Stan that year, but I, I remember uh, Luke Kennard's comp was J.J. Reddick. And I was like, I'll take J.J. <laughs> yeah, it's a good comp. Well, for, for the draft pick that they had, like, people... We have this revisionist um, narrative now that the, the, the Pistons passed on uh, Donovan Mitchell with, like, the third pick. No, it was, like, the 12th pick in the draft. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Isaiah Logan always was mentioned that. Good value at that spot. Mm-hmm. Like he's making twenty million a year coming off the bench for the Clippers. You you would take that, you know, if someone told you you can get a guy that's worth twenty million dollars, but he's not good enough to start because he can't defend. Like you, you would take that a hundred times out of a hundred. It, it's just the way it goes sometimes. Like no one kills like the eleven teams before this for passing on Donovan Mitchell. It's just the Pistons. It annoys me. Well, also, you know, I'm not sure anybody really. I won't. I won't say that nobody knew who Donovan Mitchell was because everybody knew who he was. But nobody was like, "Oh, that guy's incredible. We yeah. should have drafted him." Until like you know, twenty games into the season, it was like, "Okay, this guy's clearly the best rookie." Yeah, because you, you. That's the like Rick Pitino did not use him at Louisville like he was a star. He used him as just like part of his pressing. Uh, trapping offense and he was like the guy that would burn you with three pointers if you left him open like they he didn't put the ball in his hands and let him create like i think that's a fail like that that team got got burned by michigan and mo wagner in in i think the second round of the tournament that year they, they did not look good and he didn't look good in it so that was kind of the lasting impression that everybody got like yeah, I think everybody knew he was a fantastic athlete, but I don't think – some guys come into the league and they can't do anything with it. Uh, I, that, that's at least where I was wrong about it because his handle was so much better than I realized. Like, he could he could explode and get to the rim and make use out of it. Yeah. Well, I'm always a sucker for the guys that say they want to, like, play for the team, and I really shouldn't. But I remember Luke Kennard was like, I want to play in Detroit. Like – he made a statement, something like that, yeah. leading up to the draft. And it's like, well, you always want to take the guy that, like, wants to be here. Now, there's a lot of examples of that across all sports where it just doesn't work out. Where, where a guy's like, I want to be here. But I'm like, and I, I was at that draft party. Can you guys see this? Let me see. No, probably not. No. So, anyway, we had a pretty decent year that year before. We were 37-45. Reggie yeah. Jackson was our starter. Kate Colwell Pope was our two guard. Tobias Harris was our forward. Marcus Morris was our forward. And Andre Drummond was our center. So Luke Kennard at that time felt like, okay, 
That's the right yeah. pick. You know what I mean? Shooting. Yeah. 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 You get your shooter. So I remember people at the palace were cheering like, hey, this, that's like the perfect fit. Again, these are not the players that we know them to be today. But at that time, that was like, OK, we got a young squad. Like we got we got a really good squad. And our only reserves were John Lore, Stanley Johnson and Ish Smith. So you were like Luke Kennard fits in perfectly with that. Um, but then again, I just don't like. Like it was like we had the one and two pick and we took Luke Kennard and said it, yeah. it was this was this was deep in the draft. I mean, right. if that's the case, everybody passed on Isaiah Thomas from Boston too. Yeah. Not not Isaiah Thomas. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that's the case, everybody in the league passed on that guy. Cause you know, so I, I don't like that um narrative either. But um 71 points is impressive. I'm I'm gonna say this. I don't respect the point loads today as I did like even five or six years ago. Because the defense is just now. I'm a defensive nerd. That's when I hooped. I, I used to enjoy playing defense. That was my favorite. Like I, I enjoy playing defense more than offense. Like I was kind of like a Dennis Rodman type, just my personal game. And the defense today is offensive. Literally, it's offensive to me, and it is offensive because it scores a lot of points. If you're sitting at a game, and this is not summer league, Keith. You know I go to summer league a lot. Oh yeah. The body language is like. Like when I'm at the Pistons game, first row, upper level, you know how we do, baby. I'm like, is anybody gonna put a hand up? Like with like on either team, like like within the next two or four, two to four possessions. So sometimes you'll go an entire four possessions and nobody's gone like this. And I know this is audio, but I'm stretching my hands above my head. And it's like, do something. But nonetheless, I can't hate 71 points. That, it would be hard for me to go out in my backyard right now and lay the ball up 35 times without getting tired. So uh, shout, shout out to him, man. That's, that's impressive. I, I have two thoughts because I did watch the, the end of that first overtime. And it, for people that don't know, uh, I think he was sitting on like mid-50s at that point, like 54, 55. And the Cavs were down by two with – uh, like a couple seconds left and Mitchell was going to the line to shoot. He had one free throw remaining. He missed it on purpose, got his own rebound and, and put it back in at the buzzer to tie it. And he very clearly crossed, like it wasn't, it was maybe a half second early, but he clearly crossed the, it was a violation. They should yeah. have ruled that playoff and he should never have been able to score his, his 71. He should have had like 50, whatever he would have had at the time, 54. So there's that. But at the same time, I still respect it more than Devin Booker's 70, if you remember how he got, how Devin it, Booker got his. Well, it was the end of the season, wasn't it, Devin Booker? It, it was, but that's not what I had a problem with. What I had a problem with was, I think, if you look at the first quarter score of that, it was like Celtics 40, Suns 10. It, it was, the game was over after five minutes. Like okay. They were, okay. Like they were, it was 36 to 40 minutes of sheer garbage time where the Celtics were scoring every time down the court, they were up by 25 to 30 and they were just basically letting Devin Booker shoot. And that's, okay. that's how Booker got his 70. I, I, re, I still respect Mitchell's 70 more because it was a competitive game in his team one. I, I respect David Robinson's 70 and yeah. I respect Shaq's 60 because <laughs> Kobe's 81. Kobe's 81. <laughs> Both against Kobe, the Kobe's team. 81 is in another atmosphere because he did it in regulation. He only had 30 at the half. I mean, Kobe's game was insane. Yeah. But David Robinson, not to be known as his score to put up 70 yeah. in an NBA game in the 90s, that was impressive. And then Shaq, 
just the amount of energy because of his sure size. Like he didn't have the option for a three pointer or anything like that. Right. That was a lot of points. That was like 60 for Shaq is a lot of points. Both those games, both those games were against a helpless Clipper team, by the way. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. You, you took the words out of my mouth, but um, it depends on what day I wake up. I don't know if I believe Wilts can Chamberlain really scored a hundred. So in my mind, the Kobe game is like the benchmark. Like, like for me, no overtime, no nothing. His team needed the points. Every it was against legit defenders, Mike James, Jalen Rose. Like he just couldn't be stopped. He, he just couldn't be stopped. Yeah, I remember watching that game. I don't know if I would call any of those. Jalen Rose was never known for his defense, but no, I get it. Like he needed all those points because they were behind yes. most of the game. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, funny story, the um, my uh, and you're gonna think I made this up. I didn't. Uh, my gym coach in high school at St. Mary's. He was also our basketball coach for that one year. Uh, Dennis Butcher. Uh, his father, Donnie, actually played in the game for the Knicks when Wilt scored 100. I, would, I would have to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> Me personally. I would have to... He, 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 See, he really literally good. participated. He came off the bench. I think he was like a, a two guard. but I, So I don't know if he actually ever guarded Wilt, but he he did participate in the game. Okay. I, I fully believe it happened. Do you believe you believe it happened? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, mean, I believe it too. Yeah, it's a legitimate game that was in the box score. Like, there's, I have no well, reason to believe it. Did if you if you look at Wilt, like it's not like he scored fifty or uh four, 30, 40, you know, ten, a hundred, and then forty. Like that, that's what he did the entire season. It's just he took so many shots. So there was, it was no. This, these are the things. Like I said, it depends on what day I wake up if I believe it or not. And I know we got to get to this draft. You're fine. There was no three point line. Am I correct? Okay. Okay. Correct. There was no shot clock. Is that correct? That is incorrect. The shot clock had been introduced eight years before that. Eight years. Okay. This was 1962. This was actually the fastest paced year in the history of basketball, and it okay. will never. Twenty extra possessions per game back then. That will stood at half court, and he could have scored 102, but he said 100 sound better. <laughs> that I don't know. I, I believe they actually once he got to 100, they I've stopped. heard several people say that too, where they were like, hey, you scored 100. And then he was like, all right, well, F it. I'm... Yeah, see, because you just want to score as many points as possible. I'm like, no Hooper's going to be like, oh, I scored 100 to hell with it. <laughs> okay, see, th- this is uh, again. Like, if you look at the box score, Will took 63 shots. Like, this isn't even one of his best games. Like, it's I not agree. even close. I agree. He shot He he shot 36 out of 63 for a guy that was basically Shaq's size. Like, yeah. he did not here, – here's, here's the thing that makes it historic for him is he, should, he shot 32 free throws and made 28. 28 for 32 at the line. I don't – That's a that, lot. That is no for him. That's insane. Yeah, that's, that's what insane. I'm saying for him. You and I know that's a lot for him. I never looked at that. I never looked at that before. But that's that's essentially how he got to like he had, like it wasn't like freakish through three quarters. He only had I think 66, 67 points, and in the fourth quarter they just he went for it. Like that's when he scored the majority of his points and and got all the free throws because the Knicks were fouling trying to get the ball back. The way I understand it, that game is not on tape, but that's again, right, that's not right, right. That's not unusual though. There was only like NBC had the NBA back then, but it was only maybe one game every week or two. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like they were doing, you know, Tuesday night on NBC, 
you know, the St. Louis Hawks and the, mm-hmm. and the shy city Blackhawks or whatever. Like it, it was on, t- there, there are so many finals games that aren't even on, on film. So no, fact, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah the yeah, fact that this one wasn't on film when they, when they hosted it in a little dinky arena in Hershey, Pennsylvania, doesn't, that's not a huge thing. Yeah, I, I, mean, don't think, the, I don't think the Cheryl Miller game's on film either. The, the Pistons uh, played two playoff games at Gross Point High School back then. That was just the way it oh, was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they used to play games up in Van Andel, too. But let, let me just add this, too. Just, uh, and, I, and I hate to be, you know, freaking uh, Bad News Barrett for a wrestling reference or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Keith has I, no I'm idea concerned what concerned about, like, all right. All right. I don't want to throw, okay. So when I was in high school, <laughs> the people that were keeping the stat books, we would always say, pat us a little so we can get in the, you know, we were blowing out a team. You know what I mean? Like, like they, it would be some, some random girl from, you know, English or whatever. It just, you know, she's waiting on her parents to get picked up still from school. And they're like, hey, keep the stat book tonight. Like I, I still wanted to, I one day I started to look and I was like, I wonder who was keeping the stat book that night. You know, like, not saying I don't believe it. It's just a hundred is just that's just so hard to believe without a three point line. But I'm only I was only born in '84, so you know. It, now I have participated in a game where a guy dropped forty on me that I was guard. Actually, it was Maurice Ager. I don't know if you guys believe or remember him. We were Honestly, in the same yeah, game. I remember yeah, he dropped forty on me. It was all it was all me. No, nobody else was guarding him. He was just uncontainable. And then um, I was on a team where this guy scored forty. So I do, and that was high school games, eight minute quarters. So I do believe in scoring lows, but it's just the three-point line. You know, that's the big difference. Yeah, it was just the, the – if you look at old 1960s games, the, the reason they were so fast-paced is because basically everything was a full-court pass. It yeah, was like yeah, yeah. playing a video game. Like uh, someone would take a shot, and then whether they made it or they missed it, someone would be leaking out, and there would be a 50-foot pass and another shot. Yeah. Like like this game in particular, and I'll probably leave it off at this uh, – 233 shots taken, and that doesn't even take into account 93 free throws. Like, that is an insane, that is a mind-boggling amount of possessions. Like, Yeah, because they didn't really have offensive schemes at that time. No, they had nothing, yeah. there was was just like being shaped to run, yeah. Yeah, there would be inbounds plays, and that would be it. Everyone else, yeah, as soon as they brought in the shot clock, the Bill Russell era happened, and it was basically... Try to try to block a shot or grab a rebound. Someone grab a rebound. The other four guys run down the court and take yep, a shot yep, and then wash yep. rinse repeat. Yep. All, All right. right. <laughs> well, that was. Uh, I'm glad we got deep into that. Uh, <laughs> and this is what you yeah. get when you sit by Joe and Keith at summer. Yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> yeah this, 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 <laughs> that makes sense. We that we did sense. an entire night of this in in Vegas. I well, totally right. believe it. Like, no, we talked an entire quarter about the relevancy of Horace Jenkins. Remember? Yep. <laughs> oh wow. All right. Well, uh, yeah, 71 points is a big game. Uh, you know, sadly, there was another thing happening in the sports world that I think yeah, took everybody's yeah. attention. And that, yeah. Um, and yeah, it sucks. I, I, you know, I just want to say on this podcast that uh, keeping DeMar Hamlin in, in, uh, in my thoughts, um, it's the scariest thing I've ever seen in sports. Yep. And uh, yeah, and just- I want to give a shout out to uh, my uh, Pistons Twitter Fantasy Football League. Uh, I had no say in this because I didn't compete in the, in the championship game, but because 
one of the people competing for the championship game this week had several bills, uh, in, including um, Josh Allen. Or yeah. It's Josh Allen, right? Yeah. Uh, so we declared a tie, and we do they donated. Uh, they they both agreed to donate the winnings to uh, the uh, charity. Chasing M's, yeah, that's chasing yeah. M's on on uh, on GoFundMe. If you guys want to donate, I, yep. I highly very uh, very, very proud of those guys. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I actually was in my fantasy football um, championship, and I actually had T Higgins, the guy who uh, ran into Demar, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, we're pretty much declaring the same thing. But let me say this: anybody who plays fantasy football who's inquiring about when the game will finish, just go jump off a cliff. Like really, yeah. like I, I can I cannot. And, I, and I'm supposed to be like loving. I'm Christian, but like for that thought at this point, even to run through your mind on a Tuesday or Wednesday, you need to do some serious soul searching. Yeah. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And may I just say that uh, anybody who is saying, um, well, you didn't know him, so you can't care about him. You you just jump off the bridge with that other with that other guy. Yes. Because yeah. it's called empathy, people. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know Kobe Bryant, but it hurts my soul that he died. Un un unplug and be a human being for a few just minutes. Just be a human. It's being. OK. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's let's get into the uh, the 1997 draft before we start, Keith, any news and notes on this draft? Uh, yeah, this uh, this draft, uh, Road Rules NBA draft continues uh, in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Uh, Real World Road Rules Challenge. <laughs> th thankfully, uh, well, the NBA draft on tour. Uh, th thankfully, this wasn't the 96 draft, uh, so they didn't have to watch the Hornets draft and then trade away Kobe Bryant. Uh, I think... Once again, most the most notable thing about this uh, draft is the lottery because uh, I'm I'm sure you'll remember this as much as I do. Uh, this the Celtics had their pick and Dallas's pick uh, this season unprotected, so they had those combined odds, and basically everyone was putting Tim Duncan in the Celtics jersey. Uh, they had a uh, between those two picks, they had a 36.3 percent chance of landing the top pick. Uh, it's a it's a lottery that haunts Bill Simmons to this day. Uh, I hope he still has nightmares. He talks about it all the time. Yeah, he does. Uh, but the the Celtics did not, in fact, land the top pick. They landed the third and six picks. And also, the the Wizards had to give up their their first rounder uh, to the NBA because of the Juwan Howard fiasco, where yes, where he signed with Miami. Miami lied about how much cap room they had. And the Wizards had already renounced his rights and moved on. And the NBA allowed, I'm sorry, Mike. No, no, I just wanted a quick touch on that Juwan Howard thing. For any card collector out there, the NBA hoops, uh, I, I'll never forget it. The NBA hoops uh, cards that came out before the trade was negated said that Juwan played for the Heat. It's a traded to Heat. Um, I just always, I and I remember this is before like, we had the the world of information at our fingertips. I thought, and like almost up until when the season started, that Juwan was going to play for the Heat. Um, and then I quickly found out what had happened. Yeah, so what the NBA did was, since the Wizards had no cap room left themselves, since they <laughs> had already moved on with new business, uh, the NBA told the Wizards that they could, they would allow them to circumvent their own cap and re-sign Juwan for that $100 million he wanted, but they would have to give up their first round draft pick in exchange. And they happily, of course, did that. I think it was the 17th pick. 
And those are my uh, notes for this uh, for this draft. Keith, may I ask you something? Go was for it. Ninety-five. Was this was this the uh, bullets when they had bigger staff? Uh, yes. So, was the season before this, or was it the upcoming season when they had the last game of the season, where if they win, they got into the playoffs? This was the uh, this was coming off of that. Okay. Uh, this okay. was actually. What? This, Talk this, about this, theater. You couldn't plan that any better. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that game. That was the NBC game too. Uh even even with the god uh god awful ugly Cavs uh uniforms and that god awful court, that was still a great game. Terrell Brandon, uh, yeah. Chris, yeah, Chris Weber. Congratulations, you get to get your ass spanked by the Bulls. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, look, they actually didn't get like they got swept, but they didn't get spanked. Like they they should have won the first game of that series. They they played the Bulls yeah. really tough. Uh, yeah. for for really any of the first round opponents they played in that era the bullets probably played them the toughest uh for the in the first round but uh technically um the the wizards were rebranded as the bullets i don't know if they changed their name uh at the time of this draft or after but this is this they that was their last year as the washington bullets at 96 97 Talk about an awesome jersey, man. The Bullets. And I understand you can't have the Bullets, yeah. but, man, that was an awesome jersey. Yeah, Jeez. it was. All right. So, uh, the without further ado, uh, the, the first pick in this draft, uh, a whole lot of drama sur <laughs> surrounding this pick. Uh, I, I will be picking first on behalf of the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's laughing at me already. Um the San Antonio Spurs select Tim, select Tim Duncan, uh, arguably the greatest power forward of all time, uh, one of the greatest winners of all time. Uh, the greatest uh, act of thievery in NBA history was the the Spurs, uh, for the who have really been very good for my entire lifetime. Just about mm -hmm. uh, that one year where David Robinson was hurt, kind of holding him out longer than he needed to be and tanking their way into the lottery and then the lottery gods gift them uh one of the greatest top picks of all time it is just i can understand why people see it as a conspiracy it's just it's just so perfect for the spurs uh i mean what can you say he five rings he wins two mvps along the way uh yeah you don't no one at home needs to me to explain tim duncan's game uh it, it is what it is but uh yeah the I will be more than happy to keep the Spurs on their current path uh, rather than changing it. So you're telling me this this Tim Duncan guy is good then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's argue, he's probably the best player um, that we have drafted. Uh, well, after Jordan, we had, we drafted Jordan. We did the '84 draft, so he'd be the second best player that we drafted to date. Um, the number two pick. Well, uh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Kobe Bryant's the second best player we've drafted today. I, I have Tim Duncan one spot above Kobe. But I said arguably is to give you wiggle room. If you think Kobe's better than Tim Duncan, I, I respect that. All right. All right. That's another They're both in my top ten all time. I'm not going to sweat it. That's That's like if someone tells me, like, LeBron or Jordan is their GOAT, like, congratulations. That's a very defensible opinion. I don't feel the need to argue with you. Okay. All right. right. So, so – he never got a title at Wake Forest, right? Correct. His his teams at Wake Forest. I think the second best player he played with is Randolph Childress. Yeah. Uh, uh, even as a senior, like they got eliminated from the tournament pretty early. Really like, early. 
Yeah, so but I it, never understood why people were so high. But I'm a big personality guy, if you couldn't yeah. tell. Bet one of the best players of all time. If he's not in your top 10, you're just being biased against Tim Duncan. If you can be biased against something, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> but uh, but the worst personality of all time. And I'm not talking about because he's a bad person. I'm just talking about probably couldn't sell. Yes. Least charismatic. Yes, least charismatic. He's I a mean, real socks and sandals type of guy. The the only guy that had a shoe contract and Adidas and Nike just passed him back and forth. Like, you take him. No, I'll take him. You take him. I'll take him. I don't want him. I don't want him. <laughs> he, he, did, he did have that great commercial, though, where the cop pulls him over and, and he just he just does the, the death stare. And he's, do you know how fast you were going? Uh, he's 60. Do you know you were going 65? And he just, Duncan just stares back and the cop, okay, 55. Yeah. That official. I, mean, I, I recall what you were saying. I, I don't know. And I, Kawhi even has more personality. I think Kawhi tries to be funny. Tim is just like zero yeah. personality. Ka- Kawhi is quirky. I don't know if he tries to be that way or if that's just who he is. That but official. Yeah, Duncan is just, that official the only thing that annoyed me about Duncan is the only time he he would show emotion is when he got called for a foul he didn't like. Like he 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 was still he still managed to be one of the biggest whiners of the two thousands. It's just. Like he wouldn't show any other emotion except when he was complaining. Tayshawn was like that too. The only player I never want to see a documentary on is Tim Duncan. That I never. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to see it. It's fine. And it's such a great story too. He comes from the. He's a swimmer from the Virgin Islands. Right. 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 Like, That's all I need like to know. His background is great. Yeah. All right. So with the second pick uh, representing the, well, the Sixers had this pick going in, but this was a draft day deal that they consummated. Uh, the next day. So we are going to, instead of the uh, Sixers picking second, we are going to just pick for the Nets at number two. Uh, Mike Payton, you're on the clock. Well, you know, I really had to uh, spend a lot of time thinking about this one because, you know, you never really know what, uh, I'm just kidding. It's Tracy McGrady. It's, it's easily Tracy McGrady. This is, you know, a super simple pick. Um, a nice backcourt with him and Sam Cassell for about three weeks until Sam Cassell gets traded again. Uh, and then it, it'll be awesome. Uh, uh, you know, Kerry Kittles is going to have to move to the bench or, unless they want to play uh, uh, Tracy at small forward. But I mean, we're talking about one of the best players of, of this time period uh, of, you know, he's future hall of famer, if not already in the hall of fame, I, I don't, uh, I don't keep too big a track on that, but I'm taking the high school kid. Tracy McGrady to the New Jersey Nets. Now, now unbelievable. Look at, oh, go ahead. Um, unbelievable talent. You can compare his injury down there with Penny Hardaway, uh, Grant Hill. Unbelievable talent. Jump out the gym. Uh, shot his free throws damn near at the three point line. <laughs> when he was in Toronto, I don't know why he did that. Did he do that even at Houston? Did he never start to approach the free throw line? Well, where he throw? He misses it and he throws it to himself. Yeah. No, no, no. His free throws. Like oh. his, his actual free throw, okay. he would stand back like at the top of the Oh, field. I do remember that now. I had yeah. forgotten about yeah. that, but you know, you jogged my memory. Yeah. No, I don't remember if he did that or not in Houston. I don't remember. Yeah, I think somebody finally told him, like, stop doing that, please. <laughs> he, like, yeah, I, I remember him as being one of the first guys uh that I noticed that would miss a shot to himself off the glass and then dunk it. Oh no, no. Yeah, yeah. He 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 um yeah. He invented that. Uh, he he pretty much revolutionized that after Will Chamberlain. But um, 
but he, I, I'm coming at this one from a different angle because Mike may have inadvertently killed Kentucky basketball doing this. Uh, oh, because oh, we're keeping John Calipari now. Yeah, like John Calipari goes down as the is the guy that passed on Kobe Bryant for Kerry Kittles. And he uses the excuse that Kobe threatened to go to the Lakers when he had no leverage to do that. Uh, but say now, say John Calipari gets Tracy McGrady and T-Mac is so good that he keeps him in the NBA. So is he still going to go to Kentucky if he if he has a if he's an NBA lifer? I don't think he does. Well, I not only killed Kentucky, I killed Memphis, too, because he took Memphis to the national championship game. Oh, yeah, that's right. He stopped at Memphis with Derrick yep. Rose before going to Kentucky. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think Memphis had to give those wins away anyway. But, right. but yeah, you get it. Um, it is odd to see T-Mac wearing Kentucky stuff. Like, I never got it. And he's like, oh, this is where I was going to go. And so with the number three pick, uh, making his first selection of the night, uh, on behalf of the Boston Celtics, we have Joe. So Boston actually got it right. I mean, they just didn't have the right coach, but yep. I would uh, keep Chauncey you, right there. But but here's the thing, though. Like, you can make the pick, but you can't change anything else. So. Well, Rick, Rick's still trading him to Toronto. Yeah, you, you can't say I'm, I'm going to draft uh, Chauncey and fire Rick Patino. You can only no, draft no, 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 no. I'm just going off talent alone. Yeah. Okay. Talent, you know, and what I know as of my 1997 mind, I love Chauncey, the little thunderbolt going through his head. If anybody remembers that, I mean, maybe Cha- Chauncey's a guy you mentioned Sam Cassell the other day. I mean, a few minutes ago. Look, look at me. The Corona's getting to me now. Um, Sam Cassell was one of my favorite players to watch. I just thought he was like a hooper. Just you know, yeah. just it doesn't I matter mean- what team I'm on. Chauncey was a baller too. Maybe at this stage he wasn't fully developed, but he had your 90s or late 90s, early 2000 point guard body. Big, strong, didn't turn the ball over a lot, had a J. By the time we got him, we got the Chauncey that you wanted. We, we, I mean, when you talk about getting a player at his prime, we got it when it was like perfect, perfect. We got the car fresh out the wash. Um, but yeah, I would still take, um, Boston was just in a bad way at that time. They were, yeah. They I mean, isn't that, but from a talent perspective, retrospectively, yep, I still would have took Chauncey Billups out of Colorado. Um, just an awesome player as far as um, uh, basketball IQ, just bad basketball IQ, one of the highest IQ players to ever play, and one of the best bodies. Pause right there for a point guard of his era. Yeah, traded three times and then released once uh, before before uh, signing with Minnesota and then the Pistons a year later. But yeah. to, to your point, you're right. He was the most highly sought-after free agent point guard that summer. So it's not like he came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think anyone realized he would become what he would become because he was still the mid-level. Like, all anyone was offering him was the mid-level. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to the Pistons, and then he's arguably the greatest mid-level signing of all time. Yeah, I mean, either him or if you want to consider Ben Wallace, like that was just a just a brilliant, brilliant move by uh by Joe Dumars to to make him first priority. Yeah, especially you know that basketball is all about fit. Like, you yeah. know, I argue with my buddies all the time. They're like, "Oh, we should have drafted Tyrese Halliburton." And I'm like, "You could have a good like. It's all about a system, the coach, the players that they're playing with. Like, 
yeah, maybe we should have, but he could be stinking up the place here because we're just not putting him in the right yeah. situation with the right players, you know? And yeah. Detroit was just, when I talk about putting the pieces together perfectly, sheesh, you couldn't, yeah. I mean, Joe Dumars will forever be, in my opinion, I know a lot of people disagree with this, greatest Piston of all time. Influential on three titles, hands down. Uh, 89, 90, in 2004, just I'm talking about painting the picture beautifully. You couldn't have done that any better. Only only team that I envisioned that did it better was Dallas in 2011 when they beat uh, Miami or whatever. I mean that team. Yeah, they went through every, everything through just Kobe. fit together at the right time. <laughs> yeah, they went through Kobe, Kevin Durant, and LeBron and Dwayne Wade in one yes. off. That still still the greatest playoff run I've ever seen. And and it's not like that team was gonna go back to back. It was just clicking that year at that time, whoever that GM was, put it together right at the yep. exact amount of moment. Yeah, I mean, those guys were out of the league in two or three years. Like, yep. Peja Stoyakovich was on that team. That was his last ride. Like, he retired after that season. J.J. Barrera, uh, Tyson Chandler. I Ron mean, Butler, Sean Marion. Like, that was just, yeah. Deshaun I, Stevenson. I, I absolutely loved that collection of players because, like you said, it was an they didn't have the top, other than Dirk, they didn't have the top heavy. Like their second best player was Jason Terry, but they were so deep and so good and the pieces all fit. I, I That was one of my favorite uh, non-piston teams of all time. Is those and and Utah has messed around and done it to themselves this year trying to tank. They put all the right players together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Andy, Danny Ainge accidentally put together a really nice team. All right, so the, um, the number four pick going back around, the uh, – Vancouver Grizzlies, they are still in Vancouver for the time being. So is this me? This is what I forgot to ask you in the DM the other day. Okay. Is is it me again or is it starting well, off? We're, we're, we're just doing one through because it's not like it's a competition. So we're just going to go every third pick. Oh, okay. We, we all go. So you'll you'll be drafting sixth. You'll be drafting with the Celtics again. Uh, okay. In, all right. That That's what I forgot to ask you. It came to me in Bible study a few. I'm like, am I going to see? I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> The things we think about in Bible study. All right. right. So <laughs> the the the, uh, the number four pick, uh, the Vancouver Grizzlies select. Uh, I forgot which community college he went to, um, but Stephen Jackson, Butler, Captain Jack, Captain Jack, and I, I really hate this pick for myself because we just spent the entire brawl podcast ripping him, and I, <laughs> I don't think much of him personally at all. I cannot stand him on ESP, but. I, I am look making the right pick. Uh, I think Stephen Jackson is clearly the most talented player on this board uh, after Duncan T Mac and Chauncey Billups. Uh, I hated him as a player because he was so damn good uh, on Indiana for for several years, and then he was good for the. I mean, he won a championship with San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, he was very really good on that team. Yeah, people don't even remember that. Where, wherever Stephen Jackson went, his team usually won games, and it's it's because. He was a damn good player, uh, oversized, 6'8 wing, could defend, could post, could hit threes. Uh, not the most unselfish guy ever, but he did so many other things at a high level. Uh, the interesting thing is it took him a few years to even play an NBA game. I think he was yeah. a he was a late second-round pick in this draft. They didn't even give him a chance. They waived him. He had to go through like Central America for a few years uh, before I think the Nets gave him a chance. In the early 2000s, uh, I'm going to nip that in the bud. I, I, I'm going to put him on an expansion team to where he'll have plenty of opportunity. 
So yeah, I can't hate it. How how does that work? Because I know Sean Kemp, I think Dennis Rodman. How do you get the attention of NBA scouts at a community college? You really don't. That's how I mean, that's how Steven Jackson went, you know, in the mid 40s. Kemp was a first round pick, but that's only because he was a, a blue chip prospect going to Kentucky. Uh, like it, it wasn't like he came out of like people knew how athletic he was from high school. I, I don't know, like you don't see a whole lot of guys from community college going to the NBA draft unless they light the world on fire. Yeah, like do you score a hundred like a game? Like what do you yeah, like, what do you do at community college to be well, like hey? Like, the whole the whole point is to get the offer from a university so you can transfer and then make your uh, okay. make yourself noticed by the NBA. All right, so the uh, the number five pick, uh, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, this is a weird transitional time for them. Uh, Mike, you are up. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I could be wrong, but I think the Nuggets are getting the steal of the draft right now. Steal of the draft. He shouldn't have come. He shouldn't have lasted this long. And in, in real life, he wouldn't have lasted this long. At least I, I, I think that my player is better than, than your player, Keith, than you, that you guy you just drafted. Uh, I'm going to send Keith Van Horn to the, De- to the Denver Nuggets. And uh, I think it's going to be an interesting team over there with uh, Lafonso Ellis and Keith Van Horn. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to figure it out. Priest Lauderdale's on this team, by the way. Uh, my guy, my my, my hero, uh, Harold Ellis was was a decent player. If everybody remembers Harold Ellis, he was all right. I think I think they're going to get a much better start to this rebuild with uh, now that now that Matumbo's gone with Keith Van Horn, a guy who could score twenty points a game, maybe even more, and uh, hopefully he's going to play a little bit longer than he did. I yeah. love Van Horn in what was it Utah? <laughs> yeah, back when Utah was a perennial top ten team every year. Yeah, I loved Van Horn at Utah. He had a couple game winners that are still mm-hmm. probably like really dope in March Madness history right now, but NBA. I don't know. Kind of reminded me of his transition. Kind of reminded me of Wally Zerbiak. Just didn't really fit. Yeah, in the NBA game, but college. I I will say this though. I think injuries were mostly his problem in the NBA. Uh, but you know, I, he played for some bad Nets teams early, and he was a, about a twenty point a game scorer. But people forget that first Nets team that went to the finals. He was their, I think, just their yeah. second leading scorer just by a small amount. Like he was a big factor on that team so yeah I, I i don't think like he had his limitations he was a little bit slow not very good defensively but offensively if he was going i mean he had he was a three-tier score he could put the ball on the floor shoot the three post up attack the rim yeah but like you said i think he was probably better in college than he was in the nba he was a very popular college player but even even the irony is there that the utah Utah, as soon as he graduated, they, they go to the national championship game, I'm pretty sure. Like with Andre Miller, year. yeah. Yeah, with, with Andre Miller takes takes over the team. I, I think Van Horn may have been a little bit of ahead of ahead of his time as well. I think that Van Horn today could be could be a much better player. I agree with you. I think he'd, there'd be more of a focus on his outside shooting. So back on the board and picking for the exact same team. Uh, number six is Joe picking once again for the Boston Celtics, who already have Chauncey Billups in the fold. Hey, uh, hey! Who, shout out, shout out to Tino. Shout out to my guy. No, no, no. Um, don't be surprised by this. 
This this is my man crush, Tim Thomas. Got gotta go with Tim Thomas. Okay. I love Tim Thomas. Can't hate that one. Hey, again, I like I it's weird because I know there's like a lot of flames on social media about this, but I I still ball today. I like guys that are just game that just hoop. They're not they're not in it for the shoe contract. They're just like, I just like hooping. You sometimes you get guys like that, Sam Cassell, Tayshawn Prince, Tim Thomas, even today. Probably the most famous hooper in the league is Damian Lillard. Like I, I just want to ball. Like I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I just like to hoop. Uh, and Tim Thomas just reminded me one of those guys. Like, look, I'm just a hooper, man. I, I'm not in here for any contracts. I just, I just like the ball. Um, I think he kind of peaked out. Oh man, what team was that he was on? I want to like, say not he, was, he was out of the league pretty quickly, and then uh, Dan Tony. Oh, 13 years. Well, I mean, well, no, I don't, no, I don't mean his career ended. I'm saying, like, he was big in Milwaukee. Like, he was there a lot. Yes. Yes. And, but he kind of, like, it was always questions about his defense and his effort. Like, he yeah. was he was a sixth man for them immediately. And it was like, when is he going to grow into a starter? And he just never did. And they paid him so much money, you know, on the assumption that he would. And then he was sitting on, like, the free agent list, like, midseason. And I, I think the, um, the Phoenix Suns picked him up when Amari Stoudemire was out mm-hmm. for that one year the seven second and he was just great for them because all yep. he, like you said they just asked him to go out and do what he does instead of being someone he wasn't but and then that kind of restarted his career for like another five or six years yeah i mean easily there's some guys that i think have a timeless nba game put them on any team they're not going to commit a lot of turnovers they're always going to make the hockey assists you know like the pass to set up the pass and he's just one of those guys to me you know i'm not saying he's an all-star, but that that's who that I just always liked his game. I'm glad he was sitting there. Nobody left on the board is an all-star. So you can't <laughs> there, there's there's not gonna be any criticisms there. Well there's one possible. Oh, let, let me be quiet. Let me be quiet. Let me be quiet. All right. So the uh the uh, the number seven pick falls uh we're we're going back around. Uh I'm up. I have the number seven pick who are going to be the Nets picking on behalf of the Philadelphia 76ers who have traded down uh, from two to seven and essentially getting Jim Jackson and Eric Montross in exchange. And you got to love Eric Montross. This is the second straight draft where he has been traded for a top 10 pick. Uh, the, the absolute love affair that GM's had for him in the early part of his NBA career. I will never understand it. Uh so if I'm looking at the Sixers, uh, I, I see a great fit here. Uh, I have Allen Iverson. Um, Larry Brown's about to join the fold. Uh, I, I know I have some okay pieces. I know I'm going to be getting um, uh, Theo Ratliff for Jerry Stackhouse this cu- upcoming season. I, what I, here's what I want. I want an athlete that plays next to Allen that can score the ball but doesn't demand all the touches, and I see a great fit here. And he is the top player left on my board. Out of Kentucky, the Sixers select Derek Anderson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He could jump out the gym a little bit. Yeah, he was, he was a pretty good athlete, uh, never that ball dominant, could do a lot of things for you. Uh, he led the Cavs to the playoffs as a rookie. Uh, just a very, very nice player, a uh, very likable player. Uh, injuries really hurt his career, but it if you recall the um, – that 2001 uh, with the Spurs. Yale Blazers. He, oh, no, the Spurs. No, the yeah. Spurs. He was, they actually brought him in uh, to be like that missing piece after they they lost in the first round in 2000. 
to like to recharge them. He was their second leading scorer after Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they were on the collision course with the Lakers. And in the second round, if you remember Juwan Howard, he was going up for a dunk in the first game of that series against the Mavericks. Juwan Howard clotheslined him. It was one of the dirtiest. And Juwan Howard as a player was not dirty by any means, but this play, it was one of the dirtiest plays I've ever seen. He literally just clotheslines him. And I, he was lucky he didn't get a concussion. He got a separated shoulder out of it and he had, he missed the rest of the season and the Spurs won that series, but the Lakers obliterated them in the, in the conference finals. It was a four game sweep. Uh, But yeah, I think Derek Anderson, I I think he deserves to be talked about a little more just because his career was cut short. If you look at, when he played and he was healthy, he was actually a pretty good player and a very likable player too. Yeah. He did do a stint with Portland or is that just a figment of mine? Everybody did a stint with Portland back in those days, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Derek Anderson was there too. I am 90% sure you're right. And he was uh, one of the first players, not the first. Okay. Cause they did it back in the day, but to kind of reintroduce wearing the low top sneaker. Yep, after he left the Spurs, he went to Portland. And, yeah, I think that's – I do remember that, the, the low Yeah, tops. yeah, he was one of the players, and people be like, what? You're gonna... Now everybody wears low tops now, yeah. All right, so with the number eight pick, uh, representing the Golden State Warriors. Can I, can I say one more thing about Derek Anderson? One more thing, sorry. Yeah. I, you know, I love the 90s. I was, you shouldn't have invited me on here, okay? Look, there was always this thing in the 90s, like, Oh no, if you wear your wristband up on your elbow, you're being a Jordan copier. And Derek Anderson, Kendall Gill, everybody yeah. would see that. Oh, they're trying to copy off Jordan. Like Jordan's the like he, he trademarked wearing the <laughs> the wristband up on the elbows. Sorry, I just wanted to say that. I just okay. that about that guy. I think he was probably that be- the best player in that Kentucky team in '96, too. That Easily. had like eight NBA players like Derek An- and Antoine yeah. Walker. I think Derek Anderson might actually have been like the best player in that team, as I recall. All right. So Mike, uh, you're up with that number eight pick. Uh, the Warriors are continuing their 15 year journey without making the playoffs. They got another nine years to go. How are you going to change it? Well, at this point, we're just waiting for Steph Curry and we're going to get there eventually, but it's not going to be today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take a guy who at one point in time looked like he was going to be a legitimate star, but just could not stay healthy. And I'm going to hope that he can stay healthy and I'm going to not trade him 15,000 times. Uh, I mean, this guy played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams in eight years. And, uh, but, but, but managed to perform on all of them. Ron Mercer to the golden Mm. state warriors. I think that he's going to stick around a little bit longer here in golden state because we don't have Rick Pitino and we're not going to just trade him in two years because we're, you know, we're not, you know, because that's what Rick did. He would draft guys and then just get rid of them, but we're going to keep him here. And uh, I think he's going to be a a better player for, for us here in in golden state. Yeah. Speaking of Kentucky guys, that was another one where he was like that freshman on that 96 team where he was like the big five-star blue chip kid. And he just never found a, a home in the NBA. Even after he left Boston, I think he goes to Toronto for a minute, then Orlando and Chicago. And then Chicago trades him to Indiana for, for Jalen Rose. It was just – he played with like nine teams. I don't think he ever really fit in well with any of them. Uh, unbelievable athlete. Just didn't have the range, I don't think. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, how he fits in the Warriors, the Warriors are a bad team anyway. I think he's definitely a crowd pleasing player. I think he fits in where they're where they are currently at. I mean, maybe when they get Jason Richardson in a few years, but you know that's a problem for down the road. All right. So with the number nine pick and finally picking for someone else other than the Celtics is Joe, who represents uh, the the final Isaiah Thomas draft, I believe, with the Toronto Raptors. Yes, and uh, poor Ron Mercer will forever be in highlight lore because Michael Jordan, at 40 years old, pinned his ball on the glass with the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Talk about an all-time highlight. Also, I didn't know Derek Anderson got a title with that in 2006 Heat team. Oh, yeah, he was like a deep bench guy. I remember I, that. I had no idea. I, yeah, a lot honestly, of guys got a little full NBA title uh off that team thanks to uh, jay will gary payton oh gosh don't say it antoine walker oh my god that that in my opinion is the worst team to ever win an nba finals but that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day um i saw i saw keith's face man don't make that face don't make that face i mean i could come up yeah there'd be a lot of candidates it it would be a tough sell i i was stuck here uh you know, uh, this time they still had Damon Stoudemire in Toronto. Uh, yes. So, so this was a difficult one. But somebody that I like, I think the Pistons have a newer, better version of him in Boyan. But I'm going to go with Austin Crozier. I like this game uh, in Indiana. Boyan reminds me a lot of him, but he shoots way, way, way better. Um, one of my favorite Austin Crozier highlights is when the Pacers and the Lakers got into a fight back when the NBA was real. And um, basically, Kobe starts fighting. You know, Kobe always wanted to prove he was a tough guy. I, I love Kobe for that. You know, he wasn't scared. To, and you didn't have to risk getting suspended for eight months or anything like that. So this is at the end of the game. Fight breaks out. Everybody's scrapping and things like that. You can look this up on YouTube. And the camera just like pans in and Austin, <laughs> Austin Crozier's Jersey, like the neck part is like down by the top of his butt. Like somebody must've yanked it like, like unbelievably, but nobody really knows how it happened. Just, it was just a hilarious, great NBA moment back when they used to fight, but still not try to kill each other or go through secret tunnels at Staples center and all of that other stuff. Just leave it on the court. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Look at up Pacers Lakers fight favorite Austin Crozier moment and yeah it just had a nice game just nice nice overall game um 12 years in the in the league that I'm looking up right here and I won't say the other guy that I was he, stuck with but I always always liked his game yeah he really really cashed in if you look up his stats against the Lakers in the 2000 finals uh Robert Ory could not guard him he just killed no. Robert Ory for six games and man he the uh I think that was his free agency, his first uh, year of free agency. So the Pacers were kind of forced to give him a, a huge contract based on how good he was in the playoffs. And he just never, statistically, he never got back to that level again. He was just stealing money from the Pacers, like, for years. It's not that he was a bad player, but I think people kind of expected him to be developed into, like, an all, like, Tim Thomas, kind of. It's kind of the same thing, where people kind of expected him to develop more than he really did. But, I mean, he was a good player. I mean, as a stretch for him, he was kind of a do-everything guy. Yeah. Didn't miss a lot of free throws, if I remember. Um, yeah. 
All right. So with the uh, number 10 pick, the Milwaukee Bucks, who are, are they're just beginning their first uh, season of relevancy. No, I think they have another year to go, but you get the idea. Uh, they've got Ray Allen. They've got Glenn Robinson. Uh, they're about to get rid of Vin Baker and bring in Terrell Brandon, which is going to be big for them. Uh, actually, no, they've already got him. That's right. They already made the trade. So they've got Terrell Brandon. They're actually going to get Sam Cassell in a year. So really, this team is going to have a lot of firepower. Uh, here's what they need. They need depth. And I see one of the greatest six men of all time on the board, and I'm taking him right now. Bobby Jackson, uh, man who led the University of Minnesota of all of all places to the Final Four. Uh one of one of the most explosive third guards I can recall, simply because he didn't rely on athleticism. Uh, he could beat you uh, with his outside shooting. He could beat you off the bounce. Uh, he could move the ball. I, I don't want to compare him to Vinny Johnson because Vinny was better. Uh, but it, it, in terms of a guy that's just really, really difficult to guard, uh, he, he made a killing for those Sacramento teams in the early yeah. 2000s. yeah. Yeah. Yep. For where you would get worn out by all their starters, and then Bobby Jackson would just come in and finish you. Uh, I did he win Sixth Man of the Year once? I thought I could have sworn he maybe. He, I'm I know pretty he's sure he did. Pretty much every year. But yeah, I absolutely love Bobby Jackson's game. Uh, not really a starting, but he was just like the type of player where he was like the ideal. Like if you look at Jamal Crawford, you look at him and like. That's a six man. I don't even, I don't know if he came off the bench in this game or not, but just looking at him play, like that's a six man. Bobby Jackson was that same type of player. He won the six man award in 2003. Yep. I, okay. So I didn't forget that. As a member of the Kings. Yep. All right. And speaking of the Kings, nice segue. Uh, yep. Drafting on behalf of the Sacramento Kings, uh, who are just nearing the end of their Mitch Richmond purgatory. Uh, is uh, Mike Payton, you're up. Okay. Well, this Kings team is, uh, oh gosh, it's kind of interesting <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, you know, oh man. Um, I think I'm going to go with, uh, oh geez. We're kind of at the bottom of the barrel at this point as to and as far as talent goes. Right. Are we doing second round too? I hope oh, not. No, God, no, 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 no. We're the going to. Fi- we, go, we do the first 15 picks. Oh, yep. praise God. Oh, man. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was ready to go. Man, I, I was ready to go deep too. I'm like, well, I'll take a, I'll take a flyer on Charles O'Bannon. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 I mean, no. look, I, I could too, but I'm not trying to, you know, your wife is going to wind up missing you at some point. Right, and people I, would turn I this I off. Need, I don't need her to call nine one one and report you missing. We would be here till midnight if we if we wanted to keep doing uh, those. Picks. I was ready though. I had Charles O'Bannon written down. Like, hey, what are my last picks? Like, I am going to. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to take Charles O'Bannon. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, a, a Michigan product here. Damn I'm going to. Hey. I'm going to take. Yep, I'm taking Maurice Taylor, Mo Taylor. Yeah. Uh, actually had a really good start to his career until that Achilles injury just kind yeah. of de- derailed yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was a good scorer, good player. I think uh, I'm gonna hope that that doesn't happen in Sacramento. Yeah, and, he was uh, a, yeah, yeah. There you go. Mo-tay. Yeah, he was a he was a, a big recruit for Michigan back in the day, and, and he kind of I don't want to say he disappointed, but he kind of didn't live up to the expectations people had of him. Like people thought he was like a almost a one and done type talent 
And then he goes to the NBA and he kind of, you know, rehabilitates his, his career a little bit. Uh, but yeah, a really good athlete, big body, uh, could score multiple ways, just didn't have three point range, uh, pretty decent defender. Uh, I'm kind of upset cause I wanted him for my pick, but Hey, that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the pride of Henry Ford still over there on, uh, Evergreen and eight mile, I believe maybe Evergreen and seven mile. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Henry Ford still exists. Yeah, well, hey, hey, you got to ride by and check and make sure they haven't turned it into a target. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I almost shouldn't laugh at that because that's really possible. Um, So with the number 12 pick, the Indiana Pacers, uh, which is weird because they missed the playoffs this year because, you know, Larry Brown had kind of reached the end of his rope and everyone kind of tuned him out. But they're about to hire Larry Bird and have arguably, I think, the best team Indiana has ever had in the NBA. So they are going to contend for a title this year. Uh, Joe, is there anyone on the board right now that you think can put them over the top? So they already got the Davis brothers, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So that was the problem because, you know, I was, I was really looking at my guy, Scott Pollard. Um, so, so that that really – um. Neither one of those guys are really centers, though. Like, they could play center, but, like, you have Rick Smiths, but. Rick yeah. Smiths, and then you had the, yeah. Yeah, the Davis the Davis boys were kind of like, I think some of them kind of uh, rotated over and played five and situationally. But I think the only real true center you have is, like, I, I know you have uh, Rick Smiths. I don't know if, if uh, Eric Dampier is still there or not. I forgot who's backing Rick Smiths up in 98. Let me go check. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I'm gonna go with Antonio Daniels. Nobody took him, right? No, nope. right. He's there. Yeah, yeah. Antonio Daniels, man. Uh, uh, I think does he do play by play for the Grizzlies? Yes. Yeah, he is. He is arguably the best. Um, well, yeah. he doesn't do play by play. He does commentary. Commentary, color commentary. But, yeah. but he is arguably the best local uh, color commentary guy in the business right now. Yeah, he is that good. Like. For the New Orleans Pelicans of all teams, which I don't even know how many people locally watch the New Orleans Pelicans down there, especially with when Zion's not playing. But if you watch him break down a game, man, I don't ever want him to go to ESPN because they will they will they will dumb down his his routine. Yeah. I, I want him to stay right where he is because for for people that have league pass out there, and you, it's an NBA night and your Pistons aren't on and you're not sure. Tune into the New Orleans Pelicans mm-hmm. if they're playing. Uh, you will get a great education on how the NBA works and how how NBA how the NBA game is played. Just so just you, a fantastic. You, you uh, know who my favorite color commentary guy is. I, I don't think it has to be said. Stacy King out in Chicago, especially during the Derrick Rose years. Man, that guy. Uh, I don't know if he was drinking on the job or what, man. But Stacy King was hilarious. I'm a big Kelly Trapuca guy myself. Well, he hasn't done commentary in. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, wait, yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> like, what team is this? Like, I, I got league pass. I, I'm, I must be missing something. Well, when he left the Pistons, he he went to for uh, the Nets. I remember he was with the Nets for a while because he he's from New York. Like that's okay. like he he left to go back and uh, raise his kids and be in New York. And I know he was he did color commentary for the Nets for a minute, but I don't think he's been in the NBA uh, broadcasting for decades. Like, I think he left during the kid years. Well, just let me compliment Antonio Daniels for a little bit. You talk okay. about uh, 
this is your quintessential uh like position basketball player, right? Like right, this is when you had a defined shooting guard, small forward and forward. All right. So <laughs> Rick, Rick Popovich uh, loved him. Yes, 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 he did. So I know it's hard for people to understand now because sometimes you have LeBron starting at center. You have people like Ben Simmons guarding your center at times, but this is when you play your position. So like Bruce Bowen, stand in the corner and don't freaking move until we pass you the ball to shoot it. Like, like, like so um, he worked out for the air. He, where he really worked out for the air. Uh, not a huge kid. He's only 6'4", so a little maybe have an inch on me and that's probably over-exaggerated. The, uh, but, um, yeah, pretty slim, but yeah, he played his role really well. Was it, he, he was perfect for his era, the perfect two guard. And yeah, I didn't know this looking at this, he's from Columbus, Ohio. So just up the street. Yeah. The, the crazy thing with, um, with Daniels, he was actually the fourth pick in this draft by Vancouver. And it was very, very clear. Like he wasn't like the franchise type guard. Like they gave up on him immediately. Uh, like they pretty much gave him away to the Spurs for a couple of their role player. I think just to cut his salary and immediately he becomes a piece of the San, San Antonio's very first championship team in his second year. Yeah. Well, he's a, um, he's a system guy. He's a system guy. Wow. Oh, he absolutely and, was. And, yeah. and again, just cause it, when I saw he was from Columbus, Ohio, I wonder where he went to college. He went to Bowling Green. So yep. that, I mean, again, that's a Mac conference schools so had four pick out of bowling green of all yeah things. yeah 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 the bowling green legend um i would hope they've retired his jersey by now if not get that done bowling green all right so our one more go around for each of us uh the number 13 pick we are out of the lottery uh the the cleveland cavaliers uh actually no no this is the last pick out of the lottery right here because as we just as we just discussed the Cavs got knocked out of the playoffs the last game of the season um all right so on behalf of the Cavs I know I've got Big Z I know I've got some young players coming in I know I'm probably a playoff team next year I know I'm going to be trading for Sean Kemp and get one of the best years of his career before he implodes so uh, th th I'm, I'm drafting for a playoff team right now so who can I get that's going to help us uh immediately and I know I'm trading away my franchise point guard, so I am going to replace him, maybe not with a franchise point guard, but a guy that's very rock solid. Uh, out of Stanford, the Cleveland uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Brevin Knight, which you're is boring. Sticking. Yeah, it, it, you're sticking. I'm, I'm sorry. You're sticking. I am sticking with Bre uh, with Brevin Knight. Well, for the same exact logic, the Cavs probably were. Uh, like th there are some good, uh, point guards on here, uh, some good quality, uh, career guys, but like Brevin Knight is the only one of those that was actually good enough to start for an extended period of time. Uh, much like, uh, Keith Van Horn, uh, a legend at his school. And then they were actually better after he left. Uh, but yeah, uh, good defender, uh, excellent, um, with ball security, could run an offense for you, low turnover guy. Uh, not a great outside shooter, but he's pretty good for mid-range. Yeah, I know. This is who the Cavs picked anyway, but I I, I can't knock it because it actually worked out for the Cavs, what? and there's no one Where else. Where did he go to back. school at? Stanford. 
Okay, I get him confused with Terrell Brandon. Terrell Brandon went to Oregon. Yeah, but he was in Cleveland too during the Sean Kemp. No, but they, yeah, they not at the same because they traded Terrell Brandon for Sean Kemp. Okay, all right. All they right. traded. It was a three-way deal where Terrell Brandon went to Milwaukee, Finn Baker went to Seattle, and Seattle sent Kemp to Cleveland. And then it wound up being Brevin and Terrell Brandon had like torn Achilles or some career enders. Well, I don't. I mean, I I know Brandon was injured a lot. I think it was an ACL. I don't know if he tore an Achilles. Some something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, but Brandon was stuck in the NBA for like fifteen years. Brandon was the, or uh, not Brandon. Uh, Brevin Knight was in the NBA forever. Uh, Brandon had his career kind of cut short. Oh, okay. Yeah, I because I, I remember they had that cover like slam where they were like Terrell Brandon, the best point guard in the world, or something. I was like, what? Yeah, no, no Sports Illustrated. I actually brought that up uh, in our. Uh... All right. Side note, and I, I, Mike, you don't have to stare me down. I'm gonna make this quick. Um, but in in our 1991 redraft, I actually picked Terrell Brandon number one. He did it. Uh, Wait. Why am I not listening to you all's podcast? Is, is this not funny to only me? I'm like, what the? <laughs> I look, I don't have time. I'm, I'm not going to lay it all out. If I, I explain in detail why Terrell Brandon, I think, should have been the number one pick in the 1991 draft with, with the benefit of hindsight because of the fit, because of the talent and everything else. I, I'm not saying he was the best player from that draft class, but he should have gone number one, uh, knowing what we know. Okay. All right. So the with the number fourteen pick uh, coming off a first round ass kiss ass kicking ass at the kissing. hands of the ass kissing <laughs> at the hands of the Utah Jazz, uh, the LA Clippers, who will not sniff the playoffs for another eight years. Uh, you are up, Mike. All right. Well, since we're this late in the draft, I'm just going to take a flyer. On a on a guy that I think uh, was good and, and could have been good if situations would have been different, this is a guy who's actually going to make the All Rookie Team this year, and but but would never you know really be great again. Uh, I'm going to take yeah, I'm going to take Mark Jackson, small oh. forward Mark Jackson. Uh, he was on your board? He's not even on my board. He's not even on your board. Okay, he's he gets drafted by the Warriors in the second round of this draft. Has Mark a, with a C. Mark with a C. Gets, has has a big season, 13 points, seven and a half rebounds, makes the, I believe, the second team all-rookie. Yep. Um, and then completely falls off a cliff yep. after that. That's, but why, then, that's why he's not on my board. But then comes back in 2005 for the 76ers and plays 81 games. Scores 12 points a game, gets five rebounds a game. Decent, decent small forward, power forward, uh, combo type of player. Uh, just wasn't in the right situation. And I think the Clippers could be the right situation because they're a team that is proven at this point they're going to hang on to you. I mean, Louis Vaught played there my entire life, it seems. Like, they're going to hang on to a guy. And I think Mark Jackson could be that guy. And, and and there wasn't really any injuries, really. I mean, there were some, but nothing that was like career ending. He just okay. couldn't find the right situation. So here's why I think your pick of Mark Jackson might secretly be brilliant. 
okay, we know the Clippers uh, get the number one pick next year, 1998. And do you remember who they take? Michael Oluwakandi. What position does Michael Oluwakandi play? Center. What position does Mark Jackson play with a C? Like small forward, power forward. Center, center power. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Center power forward. Center and power forward. So, and we've established he was really good his first year. So, do you think, if at all possible, that this might encourage uh, the Clippers to not select Michael Oluwakandi in 1998 and lean towards, I don't know, Mike Bibby or Vince Carter or, I don't know, one of Dirk Nowitzki or... Yeah, any of the multiple Hall of Famers uh, that are going to be coming up next year. Nope, I don't think anything changes. It's the Clippers we're talking about of this era. They're going to take the, they're going to take the wrong player. Okay, I, I'm just I'm, I was just <laughs> no, throwing I, it out there. No, I, I, I think I, I think I think you, you might have stepped on a butterfly here. I think I did step on a butterfly, and I do think that the Clippers could wind up with you know, Paul Pierce next year. Who knows? To to, to be fair, I. I uh, I didn't write Mark Jackson just now on my big board just so I could cross him off. <laughs> See, he was on your board the whole time. Sure. All right. So uh, bringing up the rear, I, I think this is a very interesting pick, actually. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Dirk and Steve Nash are still a year away. Uh, Joe, is there anyone left on the board that might help them on their journey? Well, I, I would love to go one more round. I, if we could just go up to 18. Um, because you had a lot of names on there, but uh, no, so this player I don't like this player, but he's consistent, okay? He mm-hmm. he hung around for a while, and listening to that podcast with uh, Isaiah Thomas has been floating around the last week, and you know, he gave me a different perspective of the NBA. He was he was saying all the players that I coached in New York, a lot of them wound up in winning titles or they. We're in the league a long time. So don't don't say I had bad players, you know, or, or nobody else would have took them. So I, I'm going to go with Tony Batiste, uh, the Batman. And... That's a step, I believe. Oh, he's not available? No, 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 no. I, I'm saying I think he went to Texas Tech, if my yes. I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Yep. He was like a time You got that center for Dirk, so Dirk doesn't have to do any dirty work because he never wanted to do anything anyway. <laughs> and just a solid player. I mean, he was around the league. Uh, at least at least 10 years at least 10 years i i know he went to that final squad with orlando in 2008 i think um so yeah those guys that just hang around and always get quality minutes some they must be doing something right right <laughs> like something that we can't see it, it's not that much networking in the nba you know or if that if that was the case avery johnson would still be hooping so um yeah i'll go with tony batiste all right and that that'll wrap up the the 19 19- 99 draft although we uh we do like to do a thing here where we we go ahead and we move the pistons up i think uh what did uh, they select uh, here keith uh they didn't have a i don't think they had a pick did they oh no yeah they uh they selected scott pollard at 19 so they'll yep. we're gonna right. move them up and and say that they got moved up and had the 16th pick um and we'll each we'll each pick a guy uh that we think would fit this pistons team best Oh, I, this is a no-brainer for me. And I'm going to let our guest go first. Uh, who do you think left on the board would have fit this Pistons team best? Joe? Oh, gosh. So the reason I just wanted to go again is just because I wanted to get a Donald Foyle. 
Uh. <laughs> Colgate. Colgate product. So let, let's just shout out my guy at Donald Foyle. <laughs> Again, another one of those guys that just hung around. Yeah. It's just Why like, is it Donald Foyle your guy? I think that's the more I think that's the more interesting discussion. No, no, no. Because all right, so the funny thing about this draft is, uh, and and everybody has this error, is like this was the draft where literally I was in seventh grade when it occurred. And then when I got to college, you'd be like, this guy is still in the league. You know, like, like I was like junior year at state. Like, I can't believe a Donald Foyle is still in the league. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I, he's been in the league since I was in seventh grade and now I'm about to graduate from college. So seems like a long time in my, uh, like, you know, young adult to adult years. But then in real time, you're like, well, I guess 10 years on a job is not that bad. Um, we didn't we didn't wind up getting one of the O'Bannon brothers. We yeah, they drafted Charles in the second round. Ed O'Bannon went the year before to Toronto or not to Toronto. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's 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 what I thought. No, he was 95. Ed Ed went two years ago. But yeah, I know I remember the Pistons did draft Charles. He just wasn't like great. He was the end of the bench guy. Yeah, uh right. yeah, I'll take a Donald Foyle. I mean, any right. of these guys are good. Jacques Vaughn. Sorry, I don't want to mess around said name and then you know. No, you're good. Uh, Mike, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I'll I'll go. Go for it. Uh, I'm gonna take Danny Fortson. Yeah, that's another uh, one. Danny Danny had a Cincinnati. minute there where he looked really good for the Golden State Warriors. Um, well, really I wouldn't say rebound. okay. I wouldn't say really good, but like he he was a solid rebound. Yeah, eleven rebounds yeah. Uh, a a game. Like that's a pretty good. Pretty good little uh, uh, stat line there, you know, but he's a guy like couldn't really stay that healthy and, you know, had some issues, but uh, Danny Fort's into the Pistons. Uh, he'll come off the bench, be a nice little. Nice it, little Danny Fortson was about six foot. He he was six foot six. He went about 300. Like he was, he, he, his, he went between like 280 and 300 for most of his career. Just he, like the widest NBA body I've ever seen. He's like a uh, poor man, Zach Randolph. Well, he was like six six. Like he wasn't like he was several inches shorter than a lot of these guys. Like he was almost like I don't know. I it's it's hard to say. Like Barkley, but Barkley wasn't quite that wide. Um, yeah. Uh, twice as I recall, he twice led the NBA in rebounding percentage. Just a monster rebounder. Uh, just not very good defensively. Yeah. Okay, score in the paint, but didn't have the range. Uh. To me, I think this is a no-brainer. I'm taking Damon Jones because if there's anything that Damon Jones was great at was, and he proved that he started that in Detroit when he was eating off of Jerry Stackhouse driving through the lane. But I mean, he ate off of everybody like that had a great name in the 2000s uh, because he was a knockdown three-point shooter. Uh, and that was really, whenever Grand Hills Pistons struggled, that was why they didn't have enough outside shooting. Uh, so especially uh, this upcoming season, uh, they're going to lose Terry Mills. Uh, Joe Dumars is going to uh, injure his groin two minutes into the season. They're going to lose him. They're going to lose all that outside shooting. And I think Damon Jones would be a great, uh, a great solution for that. I, I don't know if he'll keep, I don't know if he'll keep him in the playoffs, but uh, just, just like Judd Bushler was really effective playing with Grant Hill. You didn't need to be a great play. You just needed to be able to knock down an open corner three. Like that was so frustrating about uh, the Pistons and during those times when they struggled, they did no spacing at all. All right. 
that's the 1997 NBA draft. Uh, before we get out of here, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put five minutes on the clock. Okay. And Joe and I are gonna talk wrestling. Yay! All right, five minutes what, on the what? clock. We don't want to, We don't want to kill Keith. He can only handle so much. All right, five minutes on the clock. I'm starting it right now. Here we go. Joe, who's winning the Royal Rumble? Cody Rhodes. Yeah, that makes the most sense. Or 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 the Rock. Yeah, I I don't know why I just like I I've heard that rumor going around that the Rock the the WWE was looking at the Rock to maybe win the Rumble. I just think that that would be a big letdown. Like yeah, I th- or, or I, the Rock. I think there's a way that you can uh did what I say Cody Rhodes. Uh the Cody Rhodes should win the Rumble. The Rock should not win the Royal Rumble. Like I'm, I think I'm fine with either. I think this is one of the greatest times of wrestling of our life. This, this is oh, no the era reincarnated. I mean, two big promotions, two two promotions, two billionaires that aren't afraid to spin, and the talent pool is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's, if they did it right, been. you could you could book AJ Styles to win the Rumble, and I would be like, I could see that happening. You know, what I mean, like it's just so much talent. It's so much talent today. Um, huh. I'll actually be flying out Keith's way. For the NXT show on February fourth, uh, sad. Was oh, that Charlotte? Yeah, NXT Charlotte. Hold on, it's called. I'm do- I'm doing a down and back. Uh, it's uh, Vengeance Day, February fourth, two thousand three. Um, yep, yep, yep. I'll be actually flying out there. Um, are you a big AEW guy? You know the thing about AEW for me is that when the when the whole all out thing happened. I, I just kind of tapped out. Like I, like I just could, it just, it, they're so WCW to me. Like I just, I, I mean, I just, it, I can't look at AEW and not think they're WCW because I look at who they're pushing. Chris Jericho, old guy <laughs> on top. Sting, old guy on top. Like all these, you know, it's just a bunch of ex WWE guys that have moved over there. And I just can't, I, I don't know. Like I like MJF. I think he's, um, He'll be great when he gets to WWE. Uh, it, it's going to happen at some point, I'm sure. But like, I just think they're. I, I plus there's no storylines, man. There's like no well, stories over there. It's just it's great wrestling, but I just it bores me. I I need story along with my great wrestling. I'll I'll tell you this. Um, I'll, I'll just say this. They've done a remarkable job creating a cult like fan base, almost like ECW in the um you know late '90s. Um it's hard to start a new wrestling promotion because people have trained eyes. Like, like we can ask Keith right now, like, Hey Keith, what night does wrestling come on? Like if you wanted to watch the main show. Uh, it used to come on Monday, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard. Did it to used to come on Monday? Yeah, no, no it, you're right. Yeah, you're right on right. the money. You proved my point like right yeah. away. So it's hard to start a new promotion and be like, Hey Keith, we're watching wrestling on Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cause he'd be like, when, when did it start coming on Wednesday? I thought it came on Monday. You know what I mean? So, this is a very difficult task. They've done a phenomenal job. Um, and it's hard for people not to nitpick at it, right? Like, you know, because it's, it's new and easy to pick on. They don't have the history. I love uh, the young lady over there. What's her name? The T- TBS champion. Oh, Jade Cargill. Jay, yeah, oh, man, she's, she's, she's legit. She's for real. Yeah, she's gorgeous. She's green as hell. Couldn't do a headlock if she wanted to. But she's she understands the game. She has um, the charisma. Like, yeah. crazy charisma. I'm really looking forward to WrestleMania this year. Like, really, really. Like, that proves if I'm flying out to Charlotte for Vengeance Day. Because I think NXT, I think the build for WrestleMania is just going to be 
phenomenal because they have that big arena out in LA. Yeah. Um, what is it? SoFi. SoFi. Yeah. SoFi. Yeah. SoFi. And they got to fill that up. So they're, they're not going to rent a building like that and, and, you know, not, you know, drop a dud, man. I'm really looking for it. Hey, I got a question for you, man. We'll have you on the show one day. Yeah. But greatest, your favorite wrestler of all time, not greatest, but your favorite. You know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to stick with the guy who got me through childhood. You know, the guy that I thought was the, the man and that's the rock. Like, oh, okay, okay. I mean, like, I love the rock. I, and, and I know like that, that doesn't say much with, like with work rate and all that. I know everybody, a lot of people. Oh no, he's a great wrestler. He's, no, he's probably great underrated as a wrestler. No, yeah, that's no, the crazy great. thing. I know a lot of people will pick like Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair and, and, and those guys are on my Mount Rushmore for sure. But, but the rock is just, I think he's the most entertaining guy in the world. And and he had great matches and, but he was hilarious. And, no, and there's, hilarious. there's a reason he was able to transcend wrestling and become, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest stars in, in the world. Um, one of the concepts behind my show is like, first of all, I think I just enjoy laughing and talking. And it's so crazy how many Pistons fans are wrestling fans. You'll see all the memes go up and different things like that on social media to relate the Pistons to wrestling. But you see so many wrestling shirts at Pistons games. Yeah. And I always thought that was awesome when I went to the Pistons. But my favorite wrestler of all time, and anybody who's listened to the show over the past two years, is definitely Bad News Brown. Not because I got the last name Brown. But, I mean, that's part of the reason. But I wonder, like, who approved that gimmick in the 80s? Like, he was just talking about, like, oh, I'm from Harlem. You know, I'll beat your... <laughs> you know what I mean? He had no interest music. None at all. Like, <laughs> he just walked down the aisle, man. I love Bad News Brown, retrospectively. But, of course, man, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker are probably my most exciting... Um, wrestlers to watch of all time from entrance to you know work rate and all of that they can make anybody look good um but no man i just enjoy wrestling i think it's a form i think it's an ongoing soap opera much like the nba i heard keith on a podcast a long time ago and he said the nba is like one continuous story and i that's yeah. i get that with wrestling a lot it's like you could watch tonight keith and i bet you i could tie something in from tonight's show if he came on tonight to something like when you watched like 20 years ago, like some, there's going to be some continuous reference that always goes on. And I think the writers do a phenomenal job of that. Really, really phenomenal job. Last night was a great Monday night raw, but unfortunately yeah. we had the situation occur. So it was hard to get into to anything. Um, but it's always been consistent. Part of my childhood, Monday nights, cut it on eight o'clock. As you all know, my dad has passed away uh, back in 2017, but that's what we did. We watched the Pistons, we watch wrestling. And as I got older, he even let me drink beer around him, which was awesome because my dad was a minister. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just one of my favorite pastimes. And uh, hopefully we can meet up, man, if you're, if we're ever in the same area. And I, I started getting into independent wrestling of late, just going to the show just yeah. to be like, hey, you never know. It, it could be the next champ that you're just, that's just walking down your UAW hall or something. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, I went to an independent show in Indiana and, um, like two or three years before I can't remember what it was, but we went there so we could watch uh, something to wrestle with live. And uh, orange Cassidy was there. Ethan page was there. Yeah. All, all these guys are on TV and huge stars now. So yeah, you never know. And yeah, Hey, yeah, when, I... when, when SummerSlam oh. comes to Detroit, like that's what we're hearing. It's going to happen. Well, I'll, I'll definitely tap in with you, man. We'll hang out. And, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I think I'm going to get uh early, early seats on that because, uh, 
Uh, I'm a Tiger season ticket holder too. That's my that's my second favorite team of all time next to the Pistons, uh, the Detroit Tigers. But yeah, man, come on up. We'll 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 enjoy it. And one thing for sure that I frequently say on the show is people always ask me, do you have press media passes? I never want to not be a fan. I never. That's that's my number one thing. Like my favorite thing to do is to be a fan. Like you know, like. <laughs> Like I never not want to be a fan. So no, I don't have media passes. I pay for all my tickets and everything so I can digest it. I never want to see the other side because I may hate it. Right. Well, yeah. As somebody with uh, press passes to the Lions, I can tell you that it it is definitely it 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 it, it the mystique is gone. You know, like uh, okay, get, all right, all right. See, I'm still you, a fan. You my point. Still love the team, but the mystique is you know it's not the same. Um, but yeah. But hey, Joe, thanks for coming on the show today. Really happy to have you. Anytime you want me on your show, I'm happy to do it. I'm sure Keith is happy to come back and talk business with you anytime as well. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate you coming on the show. And and um, and next week, we've got another great episode for you. We're going to be covering the teacher, Adrian Dantley. And uh, I'm this is going to be a, a real Keith-driven show. I'm telling you, he's going to have a lot to say about those Utah years. I'm sure of it. And we will see you guys next week. Keith, Thanks you see me? You see me doing the agent, <laughs> the free throw routine? Yeah. Hey, let me let me do one more shout out. Like, if anybody yeah. is ever at a game, you can always DM me. I'm always at a uh, drink rail, DRM twenty eight. So that's Portal sixty five. Uh, the 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 seats that have the bar like right at them. So you can always stop by, say what's up. I'm always tall black guy with a, a Pistons baseball hat on or a Tigers hat or something. There you go. Go say hi to Joe. He'll be at the game uh, this week, I'm sure. I don't know. Yeah, if they're paying, yeah. I want to get my money's worth. <laughs> uh, uh, there you go. Well, we'll see hey, you, everybody, man, you guys next have week. a blessed night. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Joe.